You said that so fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Recording. 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 <laughs> Recording. Yes. Um, hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, hey, remember the yachts? Yeah. Do to do to do. Um, and we talk about everything on this podcast from the 2000s and more from arcade fire to friendly fires and we're here to talk about all the pop punk influences from i'm gonna say it uh simple plan who did the intro song for the cartoon what's new scooby-doo course they did uh a little factoid about weezer i'll bring up later in the episode (laughs) did you also know this about the weezer i I heard about the weezer one and then i realized immediately where they were supposed to be in the movie yes yes yeah oh man i think that would have been good too it's there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot to this and i'm excited to talk about it we are very excited about this episode. Yes, we mentioned it in the last one, but if you don't mm-hmm. remember, today we're talking mm-hmm. about the 2002 film, Scooby-Doo. Who will answer the call? I'll have whatever he's having. From Warner Brothers Pictures. Mystery Inc. reunites. Scooby and his crew are back on the case. I'm going to insert a little trailer part here. In some moment where he's like, Yeah. And then also, um, I will touch upon Scooby-Doo 2. It's not mandatory homework, but I'm here and I watched it anyway. And I want to talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo 2 because it all ties back into James Gunn will be another topic of today's episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize until you told me that James Gunn wrote the screenplay for this. Yep, he loves he loves these movies. He he enjoyed watching... Like, I've, I've really dug into the deep hole of James Gunn and his involvement with these movies and his career. So I love James Gunn, mm-hmm. and I like his white hair. <laughs> he has white hair. Yeah, if you look up James Gunn now, I think he must have been oh, dying okay. it for years and he just said fuck uh, it. Listen, guys don't need to dye their hair. Like and I say that only because salt and pepper looks great on guys. I'm also more for promoting it in women too and yeah. you know whoever else feels insecure about gray hairs, own it. It own looks it. amazing. Looks awesome. Um but yeah, I, I think it's fine for guys to just let their white hair show. Um, I think that his strong suit and what makes re- a lot of sense to me about James Gunn directing, um, writing the screenplay for these movies is that he really knows what to do with an ensemble cast. He does. And he's also got yeah. a very campy way of writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember we were talking about a few weeks ago, that movie Malignant. 
And I yeah. I had made the point if this were done by if that movie were done by James Gunn, it make more sense. But we would have mm-hmm. missed out on the weirdest movie of all time. <laughs> Malignant is such I- a weird movie. Okay, so from my understanding of Malignant, uh, like small, very small aside, is that like I liked the concept of it, but then structurally and logistically is such a hot mess. Because it's it can't be premise, but it's yeah. shot very seriously. And there's some incredible shots. Like he James Wan is a spectacular visual filmmaker. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he does next. But he wrote this with his wife, who's in the movie. And it's wild, mm-hmm. but we're talking about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got to tell you, the reason why I watched, I ended up doing a double feature because I, I had to watch Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to rewatch it. And I'm mm-hmm. in, to the shout out to the Discord. I'm in the H3 Discord. Mm-hmm. And I'm a librarian where we host movies. And I You're just. You're a librarian for I'm the in, H3 Discord. I am. But that means that I can pin messages and host group events. That's cool. That's cool. And is I, that why you did the H three pumpkin? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I put out a message. I was like, I have to do this. Not not in like a chore. Like I was like, guys, I'm watching this movie because normally the more the, like a calling. Yeah, I was like, normally the events are scheduled. The movies are known ahead of time. But I was like, last minute, I was like, I'm watching this movie. If Anby wants to join me, I'll be here. And like twenty okay. people showed up. It's like everyone's favorite movie. Okay, so one of the things that I want to talk about with this movie is, so when we're kids, right, we watch a lot of movies where we just watch them, regardless of how good or bad they are or how critically well-received. Of course, there are some outliers where you're like, I know this is objectively bad and, like, I don't care. Or you know, like, oh, this is really, really good. I was so surprised to find out that people really did not like this movie but at the same time, I feel like everyone loves it. And that's how I feel about Scooby-Doo and also Master of Disguise. Like, it's the same kind of energy, but Scooby-Doo has a much longer-lasting history. Yeah, it's, um, what was it? It did not do well critically, but it did... I guess not. It did well financially, which warranted a sequel. But I remember I we had such a fun time watching the first one. It was, like, midnight, uh-huh. and I'm like, fuck it. Let's just watch the second one, and we watched the second one. That's amazing. I love that. But there is there is some interesting things I will talk about when the two comparison. But for now, let's just mm-hmm. talk about the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we do just like a one sentence, two sentence about what the plot is? I know we weren't going to go into like the full depth of it like we usually do. But do you want to give like at least yeah, a I little summary that. of it? Okay, cool. So the Scooby gang solves another mystery but internal drama and conflicts get them to break up and a little while later they all get invited to spooky island where there's mishaps happening and really i'm just i'm not gonna lie really bad cgi monsters on this island amazingly bad cgi monsters like scooby himself he works because it's scooby and you're like all right he's a he's a cg dog but he's there and god bless matthew lillard because this was like before. Oh my goodness! Like nowadays, yeah. there'd be somebody, especially Sean Gunn, motion James Gunn. So yeah, yeah, James. But Gunn, Sean Gunn would be in the motion yeah, capsuit. He would be in the motion capsuit or wearing a silly dog mask in the scene yeah. so that the actors has something to bounce off of. This was before that, so it's just Matthew Lillard screaming and wiling out to nothing. 
Yeah. God bless Matthew Lillard. I mean, first of all, like, what an amazing cast. You get, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar, mm-hmm. Freddie Prince Jr., an actual couple, which is what they wanted. Um, Linda Cardellini and Matthew Lillard. I mean, at this point in 2002, is just, like... I think at the time when we were kids, I didn't really understand how perfect casting this was because their faces were around all the time. Yeah. But now that, like, we've gotten older and almost 20 years have passed since this movie came out, I'm like, oh, my goodness, they really are perfect for these roles. And I think what makes Matthew Lillard work so well as Shaggy is that he got along really, really well with the guy who did the VR on set. Oh, okay. So even though there wasn't somebody in a mocap suit like there would be now, he at least had a connection with some person who could probably help him anchor that relationship with Scooby. Oh, 100%. And like, yeah, this is the best casting I can think of. Although like, I remember there was like some, they've been trying to make little backstory. Warner Brothers have been Mm -hmm. trying to make like a live action Scooby-Doo for a while. Uh, Mm -hmm. One idea I heard was that originally it was set to be directed by Kevin Smith. I have one huh. yeah at one point Mike Myers was gonna be in it and at one point oh um, no a couple other people were supposed to be in it and what I think it's perfect for what we got like it's mm-hmm. perfect it is also this movie it is if anyone ever wonders especially younger listeners why people act and behave a certain way this movie is 2002 <laughs> like this movie is it's just a thing that happened this movie's very 2002. But I kind of love that about this movie. Like, it doesn't bother me that the that the CGI is so terrible. I love that Sugar Ray is in it. Sugar like, Ray is in it. Sugar Ray is in it. There are components to this movie that I feel like really capture a time period, but also really handle, you know, moving cartoon characters that are beloved for decades into this new format. Yeah. Um. And also, like, I don't know, I don't know what your experience with Scooby-Doo was. I didn't really like Scooby-Doo that much as a kid. Um, I did like some of the direct-to-movie VHS specials. I liked the old ones that would include, like, Josie and the Pussycats or Batman. There's that weird one where Don Knotts is the celebrity guest. Don Knotts. I remember the, uh, um, the, mm -hmm. remember when they meet Johnny Bravo? Yes, exactly. So like, I liked those episodes. Um, and I was surprised to find out that people like by the time that we were watching it as kids, people hated Scrappy. Yeah, but a I lot really of people, enjoyed Scrappy. There was a yeah. lot of hate for Scrappy. And I can see it both ways. I think. Yeah, I think our generation might be softer to Scrappy because we were we watched Scooby-Doo on Cartoon Network because that was after Time Warner acquired all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so like I have always loved Scooby Doo. Like Scooby Doo is a staple of my Halloween experience. Even mm-hmm. though like as a kid, because it's also like mindless. Like let's just be honest. You could put on some mm-hmm, episodes mm-hmm. and it's just like whatever. But the monster of the week. But I, I there was they had a headless horseman episode, and that used to be my favorite one. Hmm. Yeah, I used to watch it a little bit with my uncle. But you're right. There is sort of this like routine to the episodes that kind of makes you zone out so i would get kind of bored by it so i was actually excited when the movie started and it started with them arguing with each other and breaking up because i thought like oh great there's some meat here that i was missing 
you know, it kind of fleshed them out in a way that logically made sense. Daphne was tired of being the damsel in distress. Uh, Velma felt like she wasn't being appreciated enough, which is like, absolutely. Of course she should feel that way. Yeah. And I really love that Freddie Prince Jr. felt like, what am I going to bring to this? It's, it's Fred. Like, he doesn't really do much. He's just kind of there. He's the leader. So he had to, like, ham up the vanity of it. Yeah, and I, he, I thought he did a great job. He really brought out, like, that, that like, narcissistic, like, leader. leader. Yeah. Like, what that person would actually look like in real life. Uh-huh. Um, and then Matthew Lillard just kills it. Oh, he is, like, he is my shaggy. He is the best shaggy. I was, yeah. I, I, you know, he's been voicing, he's still voicing Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned this in the last episode, too. Yeah, like, um, I thought he, I thought they can't, I thought they stopped after, mm-hmm. like, isn't that new Scoob movie that came out because of COVID straight to VOD? He's not in mm-hmm. it, it's Will Forte. But they're mm-hmm. still making shows and movies, and Matthew Lillard is still Shaggy, and God bless it, he is Shaggy. Um, I love that he has like a lot, a, a big existential moment in his career kind of unfolds around Scooby-Doo. Really? Uh, yeah, because during the time that this movie came out, uh, he had a lot of people praising him for his role in it. You know, a lot of people were like, okay, like the movie's not good, but you know, he really killed it as Shaggy. And they were like, how do you feel about continuing on as a voice actor? And there is one interview where he definitely said, oh, yeah, well, if my life just went to, you know, doing voicing for cartoons, then my career is definitely over. But actually, it was a really big moment that he needed in his life because he was getting tired of being treated as the sidekick for after the second Scooby-Doo movie, they offered Scooby-Doo 3. They offered a lot of money, but they still offered Freddie Prince Jr. more money. Really? And he was like, I don't understand. We've been in multiple movies together at this point. She's all that. The Scooby-Doo movies. There are some other ones that I can't think of at the moment. But they've been in a lot of movies together. They're in, like, the same rom-com pack. He was like, why should Freddie Prince Jr. get more money than me? I deserve the same amount of money. And the studio said no. And he had to make a huge decision for himself and say, okay, I'm going to walk out then. I didn't know that so, bit. I knew yeah. I knew that there was supposed to be a third movie. And yeah, I remember it's because they wouldn't give him his money. And but I also think because the second one, the box office was not good. It did not. Right. I even I even remember at the time because I loved the first movie and I saw it in theaters and it was like a great experience. Two oh years, really? Yeah. Two years later, it just felt kind of like it didn't have that same like momentum. Excitement. The, yeah, and. James Gunn, interestingly, he talked about this third, the concept for the third one, which is, int- have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. James Gunn's idea, because he loved what he was doing. And in his opinion, he thinks the second movie is far superior, which mm. I have thoughts on that. Mm. But um, his thought of the third movie would be the Mystery Inc. get invited to Scotland, where there's like a group, like there, there's like a town being ravaged by monsters. And it turns out that the monsters are all, like, victims of previous Mystery Inc. mishaps. Oh my goodness. And it's like, because you even see it in the second movie, like, a bunch of former villains. There's, like, a villain bar in Scooby-Doo 2. 
<laughs> and there's like a moment of reckoning where like, yeah, you know, they're stopping these guys and catching these mysteries, but there's like, I forgot who it is. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Peter Boyle. He plays mm-hmm. old man, Wick- old man Wickles in Scooby-Doo 2. And they mm-hmm. like the Scooby gang literally just, like destroys his business opportunities. And it's like, that's an interesting concept where the third movie is just like all of their, like all the people's lives they kind of ruined are like the mm. villains. Well, I mean, they kind of do that in the first one too with Scrappy. Oh, they so, do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like when I was a kid for us, like Scrappy was that connection to like, oh, there's like a kid in the show. And actually Scrappy in the seventies, when they introduced him was a very successful way to draw viewers back in. Um, but by the time the movie was coming out, nobody liked Scrappy. So I was, as a child, the first time I watched the movie, I was so shocked and a little hurt that Scrappy was the true villain. But apparently people loved that. They needed that. Um, it was the only way to put him in the movie, I guess. But- did you know? Did you know? <laughs> fun fact. Because uh, the villain, I mean, Scrappy's the main villain. But he's mm-hmm. kind of like pirating off of... a. Uh, Rowan Atkinson, who's like, you know, that guy who runs the island. Oh, amazing. He's incredible. But did you know that role was originally offered to Tim Curry? <gasps> yes, I did hear about it, this. He turned it down because oh. he hated Scrappy-Doo. Oh, my God. I I do think that Tim Curry would have been fantastic in this. I think he would have delivered it. But I do love Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson did a great job. You know, I think it's also the studio was from because he because this isn't his first time doing Scooby-Doo. Tim Curry was, he was the villain in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Oh, okay. He plays the warlock. Sure. I love Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. You do. Hex girls every day, all day. (laughs) But so Tim Curry is in it. Mm Mm-hmm. So they were, I I was just saying like that, he turned it down for Scrappy-Doo. Okay, okay. I mean, I think Rowan Atkinson is great in it. Um, I also think that he at least could play the... Is he the villain? Is he not the villain? Mm-hmm. A little bit more than Tim Curry. If Tim Curry was in it, you would just be like, well, obviously he's the villain. Yeah, he would have definitely... They would have been more of the center of attention of each scene. Yeah, so um, I think that the way that the movie handled, like, okay, we're going to... We want to hang on to the cartoony element of these people. Like, we'll keep them in the colors that they love, but also, like, adding the real-life qualities to them, I, I feel like was really great. And, you know, having Sarah Michelle Gellar using her stunt, like, stunt capabilities from Buffy, like, what a tip off the old hat to that. Um, but, yeah, Matthew Lillard, he said no to scooby-doo 3 and that actually was like a huge moment where he did decide to take a step back from acting and he taught a lot he taught a lot of acting classes interesting i didn't Uh, know that yeah yeah so he talks about it a lot in dak shepherd's podcast okay um and it was really interesting because they were in without a paddle together oh that's right yeah, with Seth Green, who would be in the second Scooby-Doo movie. That's right. Two yeah. Buffy alumni are in Scooby-Doo, too. Yes. Yeah. So um, 
so that's where you, you can hear a lot about that. And it was really interesting to listen to him talk about it. Um, and then just like eventually he started getting those small bur- small parts coming back in and he enjoyed it again. But so the Scooby-Doo franchise is a, is actually like a monumental part of Matthew Lillard's career. It's like at the height of it, but also the moment where he decides to take a step back. Yeah, he is my yeah. shaggy, though. Like, OK, he is shaggy. 2010 there was a sidetrack but it's still on topic mm-hmm. there was a yeah there's a bunch of scooby-doo cartoons there's always going to be scooby-doo cartoons but there's yeah. one in particular from 2010 called scooby-doo mystery incorporated very fun oh, i watched I like, this one i, I, I do it. really like this one yeah, yeah. it came yeah. out around that time because it's like there was like there was the same time was adventure time and regular show so it's almost like there was this like adult humor injection into cartoons. And I loved it. Sure. I think if you want something fun and you like cartoons, watch Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that one. And they make a joke about Scrappy on that. They're like, they do. Daphne, look away. We, we promised never to talk about it again. Um. But, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I just feel like the way that the movie handled, like, how do we make these characters still their iconic selves and, you know, inject them into the real world? I think that they handled it really well. I think that presenting them with the challenge of the monsters being real was a great idea. And, um, you know, I loved like a lot of the adult humor that was in it and i feel like it's very clear that it was meant to have more adult humor but i I... think that the direction that they eventually went into was the best choice and you know i think that that's all part of it too is like you said like adventure time and the regular show but also like the cartoons that we grew up with it made sense to me that there was some adult humor in a family-friendly movie um and but also like there was a lot taken out and there were some things yeah. that I didn't even know about till looking it up for this episode. Yeah. So for like, those mm-hmm. oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say like like one really small tidbit. Um when they go to Spooky Island and there's a party happening, there's a man dressed as a giant pink bunny. Um, that pink bunny costume is actually inspired by filler bunny. From the Yonan Vasquez comics. Interesting. Yeah, I did so not that's, know that. So it's a um that's another little uh cameo uh, or like a little um reference to Johnny the homicidal maniac. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that. That's crazy. I had to like search it to make sure that this was true. When I heard that that little bit of trivia, I needed to look it up just to make sure. And once I saw the costume, I could definitely confirm that that is filler bunny. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I was going to say, when it comes to this, like, the, the, the first Scooby-Doo, I think, was James Gunn's first motion, like, major motion picture script. Mm-hmm. And before that, he comes from Troma. He used to make Troma movies. He wrote Tromia and Juliet. And his crass... What's up? He, he also did a very small dog film on that you can find on Amazon with Jenna Fisher when they were married. It's just them providing voices for dogs in a park. I didn't know that. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but I watched a little girl who loved it. It was like her favorite thing to watch when she was sick. I thought it was going to be like a cartoon movie. No, it's just 
like watching dogs in the park and then Jenna Fisher and James Gunn add their voices to it. That's amazing. When they when the actors signed on, I've read that this was apparently supposed to be a little and you met you touched on it. It was the original intention was to be a little darker. I know James Gunn on the record was referencing a lot of um he wanted to kind of do like what the Brady Bunch movie did, like Oh, I kind love of, those movies. Kind of like parody these this like absurd family in the real world, which this movie still has. And to this movie's credit, I think what works really well is even the costumes. Like I was listening to somebody talk about this, like the costumes work perfectly because they're both like true to the character, but also feel cartoony in a world yes. where like there's just people wearing regular clothing. Also, Daphne's purple go-go boots are having a huge comeback on Instagram. Are they? Yeah, people love Daphne's go-go boots, but apparently they were incredibly painful for her on set. And as soon as she was done shooting, she would change into sneakers or slippers. That's wild. Yeah, they don't seem comfortable, but God, are they a moment. Yeah, there's something to this movie as well. Like, there, I think one of the most brilliant moments in the movie do you remember when they go to that castle and Velma and Freddie find like that training video about how to act like humans? Oh my God. I was thinking about that today. It's almost like you have these golden age Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters in the modern day, kind of almost in a way, seemingly out of place. Mm. Like this image of like them, like embracing this, like in a world that's almost gone past them. Mm. you know and i think that was a pretty pretty cool parallel also uh fun fact do you know a lot of the budget for this movie went to see giant out cleavage i did hear about this yeah i didn't believe it at first but i you know because the the cleavage was already so low as it was uh, which is very interesting but yeah apparently they covered a lot of cleavage they covered so much cleavage that's where most yeah. of the budget went. God, I'm so glad that they did that, though. Because even as a kid, there are some dresses that Daphne wears where I'm like, oh, boobies. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I think what's interesting about the training video that you mentioned, and it, it's really interesting to look back on it now from how far we've come in about 20 years since the movie came out. But, you know, what that movie really presents is there's this really cringeworthy language that the possessed people use to seem like regular cool teens and it's almost like they're making a parody of the caricature that white people will use to incorporate black cultural lingo lingo mm -hmm. like the whole point of that video is to be like these are how people act and you can tell when they're possessed like oh this is so cringy like they're saying like yo dog what up but i feel like in a weird quasi way it's actually a really great commentary on like this is how stupid you sound when you try to appropriate another culture's language for your own you sound like an idiot because that's the whole point is that when the ghosts are possessing the people's bodies it's like so obvious because it's so embarrassing speaking of embarrassing dialogue this was my favorite mm -hmm. line in the whole movie and i i wrote it down so i didn't forget mm -hmm. do you remember when they first get to the island and there's that girl who's like she's been changed and her like friend comes up to her and he goes yo you remember me we've been friends since we were three and she like tosses him away 
Yeah. <laughs> she says, get off my grill, son. And she lifts yeah. him up and throws him. That's that's king shit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many good little jokes in this movie. I love when the bartender um, answers the phone and he's like, is there a do here? <laughs> and somebody's like, is it for Melvin do? And they're like, no, Scooby-Doo. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Melvin Dew comes back later at the end. That punchline oh, comes Melvin. back. Scooby, Shag, you know, Scrappy's like, I'm coming for you, Scooby-Doo. And he goes, don't you mean Melvin Dew? I enjoyed that. <laughs> God, so, there's so much to this movie. Yeah, and I, I just really liked um, the changes that they made to the script to fit a more family-friendly struggle between the characters, you know. I think originally uh they were gonna play up the fact that like shaggy is totally a stoner velma mm -hmm. you know for a long time has seemed like a lesbian they were gonna go that route um but i like that they focused more on like these core social moments of being in a van together for so many years versus just like ha 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 this person's a stoner ha 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 this person's a lesbian like ha 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 you know it, it feels more like tropes whereas like this i feel like actually is a really good plot and character development you know what's interesting is mm -hmm. that um i've often heard people compare they talk about the original script idea and i mean it is james gunn he literally wrote a m movie where a man has a monster for a penis um Wait, what, what movie is that? It's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's what that, that is about? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but, uh... I'll save my judgments. But, like, um... Like, they're, like in the early 2010s, we had these strings of, like, fan-made movies of, like, gritty mm -hmm. reboots of child cartoons. They did it for the Power Rangers. They did it for a bunch of things. And I know that a lot of millennials would probably be like, no, I want to see the darker, grittier Scooby-Doo. I'm going to take your side and say that I think that the family-friendly Scooby-Doo, you know, with slight charm and whips and jokes, but, you know, remaining a child's product is and the whimsical. better way to go. Whimsical. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, you. I think that he hit the right amount of staying true to what makes the characters the characters and making them so iconic, but also you know, embedding some real world issues in them. And I think that's where it hits the perfect niche. So I was really surprised that there was such an issue uh, with this movie and it wasn't well received because I think it, from, it, you know, cartoon to real live action movie, I think it's very hard to come by that. I will say it's because it's wild. There's a lot going yeah. on. <laughs> there's so yeah. much going on. And also there's a lot of farting. There's so much farting. That's what like, I remember as a kid. I remember the Nickelodeon TV Awards and Matthew Lillard got a special uh, glow. He got a special blimp. He got a special Nickelodeon blimp just for that fart scene. There was too much farting, Courtney. I, I don't mean, care. it's a kid's movie. Too much farting. It's fine. It's no, fine. Too much farting. Do you also And Isla Fisher's in it. Yeah. She is. Do you remember the bit? where Fred and Daphne swap bodies and Fred yeah. looks down at Daphne's body and says, I could see myself naked. As, yeah. a, as a kid, I clearly remember laughing my ass off and saying that line over and over again. As mm -hmm. an adult, I feel very uncomfortable saying that line. Sure, sure. 
<laughs> I I did really like Fred's mannerisms as Daphne and also um swapping Sarah Michelle Michelle Geller's voice for Freddie Prince Jr.'s voice and like seeing it with their bodies because it just doesn't fit their bodies at all. No. Um but yeah, I, I remember watching this movie with my nephew a couple of years ago and hitting that that bit and being like, oh, that's not a good bit anymore. That is not a good bit. Oh, man. Scooby-Doo. I mean, it's it's a great movie. I I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of those things that I'm sure other people are more critical of it. You know, like I said, like Master of Disguise. I love Master of Disguise. There's no reason for me to like Master of Disguise, but I still love it. I still love this movie. It was one of my number one at home sick from school movies. Hey, I had a great time. I love it. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about Sugar Ray? Let's talk about Sugar Ray. Oh my god, Sugar Ray's in this movie as Sugar Ray. We still need to find Fred and Velma. I'll go this way. And we'll go with you. I liked Sugar Ray. I'm sorry. Are you kidding? Like... You don't think I don't know? You know, someday. I love when that my song. life has passed me by. Every morning. These songs are bops. Oh my god. They do a cover of Abracadabra. That's dope. Also, um, love mark mcgrath he's uh mm -hmm. i love his self-aware like he's a lot more self-aware and fun nowadays he does cameos oh he does he does he makes a he does specific like breakup cameos you can pay mark mcgrath oh God, of amazing. sugar ray to break the news to somebody that you're dumping them what's up brayden it is mark mcgrath from the band sugar ray off the charts um and it's hard so cheyenne is trying to let you know brayden that it's very very tough for her to stay in this relationship she still cares about you a lot good luck on your thesis coming up probably not the best timing cheyenne i also love uh when it's over i love that song i loved the video like, I don't know. I, I like Sugar Ray. Um, I'm, I'm guessing this is the moment where Weezer was supposed to come in. Yes. Originally, okay. they wanted Weezer. But Weezer turned... I don't know why Weezer turned it down, but they did. And they got Sugar Ray instead. What an amazing conversation that must have been. Oh, you guys, I talked to Weezer's people. What'd they say? They said no. Who should we get instead? Hmm... I guess we should get Sugar Ray. Like, how did that conversation happen? Honestly, for a 2002 movie, I think Sugar Ray makes more sense anyway. I, I think so, too. I think that they seem more like the MTV spring break kind of band that you'd want at a party. I mean, I don't know in any other situation where a vacation destination called spooky island is so popular that it can have sugar ray play and also their own airplane yeah but it, sugar ray just seems more likely for that than weezer oh yeah that yeah. makes more sense actually um i feel like we've covered some facts i don't really know how much more that there is um i guess just about the uh about matthew Lillard's shaggy voice i guess he really struggled with how to capture it before starting and um, 
he first would shout and scream for hours to completely destroy his voice and would try speaking in that voice. And it just didn't work because he couldn't functionally keep it going, which makes sense. So his eventual decision in the voice that comes out in the movie is sort of him making a version of what that voice would be if he lost his voice from screaming and shouting for hours. So I thought that was very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So he was like, well, what would my voice sound like if I did continue to scream like this for hours? Like, so I I can't do it. I I mean, he's great. Oh, yeah. He's great. Yeah. He is the quintessential Shaggy. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought Scooby-Doo was a great movie. I've only watched the second one once. So, um, you will have a lot more to say about yes. that one than I will. So, Scooby-Doo, the first one, not a mm-hmm. critical hit. Mm-hmm. And it's split amongst, like, its audience, but it makes a lot of money. It was made, for, I think, for $89 million and grossed over $200 million. Oh, amazing. Which, which, this is 2002 money. That's, like, infinite yeah. amounts of money. Wow, that's 2002 money. Oh, that's, like, pre-recession money. Yeah. Wow. So... So it greenlights a sequel, 2004, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, which this movie, James Gunn considers this the better movie. Mm -hmm. And in some regards, I I agree. In other regards, I'm like, this is just a mess, isn't it? Like, it's a lot. Um, (laughs) uh, What I like is that the prep, because like the conflict of the, I'll say this, the first movie feels like a movie. Like, it's got mm-hmm. a plot that has to be resolved. How do you get this group of friends back together and show trust and love? Like, that's the premise. Like, the Scooby-Doo 2... Scooby-Doo 2 is better is a better Scooby-Doo movie because it is literally just a very long live-action Scooby-Doo episode. Okay. With um, a lot of the classic monsters. Because the premise of this one is there's a museum built for all the monsters they've... Like, all the... Or, perpetrators or criminals they've caught because it's all oh, like costumes in disguise right but, okay but but then there's a villain who shows up who's the villain i forgot the villain's name he's just a a guy in like a knockoff dr doom costume which to mm. be fair that that costume looks more like looks like a better dr doom costume than the fantastic four dr doom costume to be fair so um the premise is somebody is causing a muck, bringing these old characters to life. Like, all these monsters are now actually real monsters. And we got, mm-hmm. I've got a list of these monsters. We got some classics like The Black Knight, The Ghost of Captain Cutler, uh, Minor 49er. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Ghost of Captain Cutler, mm-hmm. which in the original cartoons was like a, like a ghostly, like, um, what is it called? Captain Cutler. It was like, he was wearing like a old timey Scooby suit and he had seaweed and he was green. And oh my there God, was this, I remember this. In the cartoon, when he would show up, there was this horrifying sound that would play and he had this scream. And as a kid, that used to freak me out. <laughs> And 
and I and they kind of do it in the movie, but it's more okay. played up to be fun. But in the cartoon, when when Captain Cutler shows up, it's scary as shit. Okay, I don't remember the sound, but once you described the captain's outfit, it immediately came back to me. There was that weird like sound that played. I'm gonna put it in here because it's fantastic. Okay, just lower the volume so we don't yeah. like scare the two listeners' ears. Yeah. And then there was a what was the other monster that showed up? The the, the blob? The blob monster? Okay. Sure. There's always one. I forgot the name of the blob monster. But there's a there's a blob monster. There usually is. Yeah. But essentially, mm-hmm. like, these classic monsters are causing a muck, and it's up to the Scooby gang to find out who's behind it and get their reputation back in order be- in Coolsville. They live in Coolsville. Oh, that's right. As everybody hates them. And uh, it's honestly, it's a great mystery for kids. Like, I'm not okay. going to say it's brilliant, but it works. Like, as a kid, you would try to figure out who was behind all of it. Uh, this features Peter Boyle. Seth Green, mm-hmm. Tim Blake Nelson, oh. and Alicia Silverstone. Oh, I don't remember that at yeah, all. Who, who does I she love, play in it? I love her in Clueless. She plays a reporter, Heather the Reporter. Oh, okay, um, okay. Alicia Silverstone, God bless her. Um, although she has become anti-vax and holistic and... Oh no, is she anti-vax oh, no, yeah. too? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. no, Alicia, girl. No, no, no. I know. Oh, that's too bad. It happens. That's oh, that's disappointing. Because I knew the one who plays her best friend became like super conservative, and that became her thing. But I'm, I'm surprised. There's that. a very when it comes to like conspiracy theories and anti-vax. It, there's a very thin line between very far right way of thinking and uh holistic crystal mommies it's a very thin line it is because there's a lot of toxic positivity in both of them exactly and it's a lot of self-fulfilling and privilege and money Mm -hmm. so this movie like i said it's much more like it's more true to scooby-doo it's them solving a mystery uh linda cardellini is phenomenal she's like, I know they do the trope where, like, they make her hot, quote-unquote, but she's mm-hmm. always hot. God bless she's her. Always we hot. love her. Um, she wears a weird cat rubber suit, and it farts, so the fart jokes are back. Yep, yep. This is the the costume that uh, led to the uncomfortable silence in my meeting that one day. Oh, that was that? That was that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Apparently nobody likes the live action Scooby Doo movies in my office. Listen, I That's like fine. both, but they're okay. both good for different reasons. Can I say okay. that I understood the plot of this one very much? No. But was it Scooby Doo on screen? Yes. Sure. Uh there's a great bit. What was the great bit I really like? Um there's a bunch of great bits in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing Scooby, like Scooby and Shaggy's whole thing is like they're mm-hmm. trying to be better. Oh, there's a, the great bit where Scooby and Shaggy drink a bunch of potions and turn them into like different things. Uh huh. Do you remember the potion? Shaggy drinks a potion and it makes him into a hot woman. Oh, really? And then he drinks a potion and it makes him like a Super Saiyan. Oh, really? I, I had heard that 
there was an introduction for the first one that was supposed to be a cartoon version for the intro, and I'm glad that they left it out. Yeah. Uh, then Scooby drinks a potion and he turns into a monster. Oh, that I remember. That sounds familiar. And then, and then there's a moment he drinks another potion and becomes a cartoon, the cartoon Tasmanian Devil. Oh, that's interesting. Fun fact about that: he was originally supposed to turn into the cartoon version of himself, but the I thought studio, that's what it would be. Yeah, the studio thought it would be weird to compare, like, have live action Scooby in this, like, in the same shot as cartoon Scooby Doo. It would be off putting. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might break some brains. Yeah, so they just said, no, we're going with, we're just going with the Tasmanian Devil. Do you okay. remember the reveal at the end of this? And that's why I said this this movie, I don't know if I get the plot. No, I don't remember. This one I've only seen once. All right, I'm going to spoil it right now. So be careful, everyone. I'm spoiling it. Listen, if y'all are, if, if the two people who are listening, if the one person who's listening is upset because we spoil Scooby-Doo 2, that's not the worst situation to be in. Also, you could always just pause the movie yeah. or pause this episode and then go watch the movie. So the guy behind, the villain behind it all turns out to be Heather, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, see that I remember now. Okay, okay. But then they pull a mask off of her and it turns out to be Tim Blake Nelson who okay. played the villain who was another villain who was friends with Old Man Winkles but they hated each other and he escaped from prison but died but didn't die and it's... <laughs> and But then, then there's a dance sequence, Courtney. There's a dance sequence. Oh, I don't remember the dance sequence. I love a dance sequence. The movie ends with a dance sequence and Aww. Seth... Even though Seth Green's not part of the gang, he gets to be a part of the dance sequence. Oh, bless him. What a short king. Yeah, he is a short king. He's he only is a short four. king. God bless Whenever him. Whenever I see him in interviews and I see his tattoos, I'm like, hmm, Seth Green. You should show your tattoos in movies more. <laughs> what defines a short king? Like, what's the height? Because am I a short king? I don't know. I don't know what the limit is because the only people that I can really think of that are short king are Seth Green and Gael Garcia Bernal, and they're short. You're wow. not short, okay. short. So there's actually a magazine that broke down short king height. What magazine is it? It's a uh, Mel magazine. I what don't is know. it? Mel magazine. I don't know this one. Uh, the people have debated, and pretty much. Um, People is it like 5'6"? Said... No, they say 5'8". Five, 5'8". Five, oh, okay, the... okay. And there's just a lot of memes and jokes dunking on uh, short kings. <laughs> uh, this is not nice. This oh. woman, Alexa, on Twitter wrote, Men height chart, 5'2 to 5'5", five, five, child. 5'5 five, five to 5'7", young boy. 5'7 to 5'11", young man. Ew, and don't, I don't six, like those words. Six foot and up, a king. And I'm just like, that's... Height's one of those things you can't control. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's where it's very clear that um, sexism and, and patriarchy and white supremacy are in all of us. Yeah. You know? I remember I but... had a conversation with a friend a while back, and I mm -hmm. remember... Like, they were scolding somebody. She was scolding someone for talking about women and their weight. 
And then okay. an hour later, she's like, I would never date a guy shorter than six one. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I was I'm thinking like, that yo, about this woman. I was thinking yo, that about this woman. I bet she's been like, women in pornos, like, aren't what we really look like. But how dare you not be five, uh, not six two. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this isn't this isn't me going on an incel rant. I am very happy. I'm very happy at my five seven, and I know that I wouldn't want to be with someone who thinks height is a cutoff point. Yeah, that's not anything that you can control. I think that what isn't attractive is if somebody is short and they keep justifying their height. That's yeah, and that's not even saying like I'm confident. I'm a short king. I've got like the confidence. Like, I think that's what makes it attractive. I think that when, and I've known plenty of people who are our age who would say things like this, like, oh, oh it's great that we're the same height because we're eye level. Oh, Jesus Like shit Christ. like that is awkward. Bringing attention to it is definitely unattractive. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's very clear that like you're thinking about it, not you specifically, but the person who's saying it is thinking about it. And they are already working out justifications in their mind. Although I like to be called short king. I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, short king's a compliment. Short king. Short king. Tom. Yes. um, Do you think that these movies would be as successful today as they were back then, Um, which is also subjective because they weren't actually that successful uh, what do I you have think? A, I have an interesting answer. I okay. think that the second movie would do better today than the first movie because the second movie is more true to Scooby-Doo. I think, like, if you look at all the franchises now, like, we just watched Halloween and Scream is doing it. Like, people, mm-hmm. like, like, there is this, like, tendency to go back to the source and make it authentic. Hmm. Uh, I think... I think Scooby-Doo 2 was hated at the time, but has had this like cult turnaround where people are like, no, it's actually the better one. You know, people love Scooby-Doo 2. I think Scooby-Doo 1 is good and it's a love. I got a lot of love for it. Mm-hmm. They got to get better CG monsters though. No, I want them to stay exactly the same. They're bad. Exactly. What are they, giant? Ra- also, I'm confused. The whole mm-hmm. point was that <laughs> Scrappy-Doo needed Scooby's pure soul to gain power. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with the monsters? Um, I, were the I monsters just there? That the monsters were a part of releasing the relic. Like anyone think... who uses the relic would then have control of these creatures as well. Maybe, or did the That's monsters just exist on the island? And Scrappy's like, "You're mine now." Yeah, maybe they were just bored. That's true. Yeah. They look like weird, like, what are they, like, rabbits? Also, I have a question. Has Scrappy yes. just been living on this island this entire time, like, building a vacation resort? Well, no, they say it. Um, oh, he possessed him too, right? Or he controlled... Oh, no, no, no. He he hid him in underground and oh. built a robot lookalike. That's what it was. Right, right. He was there. Yeah, Rowan Ak- yeah. Atkinson was, like, hiding in a bunker for two years. <laughs> poor guy yeah so courtney what do you what do you think how do these movies stand um i think we talked about the moments that are uncomfortable and actually like some moments that age so well including like the training video and it like makes it abundantly clear how like relying on cultural lingo that doesn't apply to you just makes you look ridiculous 
so I think that's great. I do think that it would not work today only because, um, like you mentioned, like millennials and Netflix people think that we just want everything to be darker. And I think that they would do that. I think they would ruin it. Uh, yeah, I don't want it. Like, I know, I remember when people love that dark short film for the Power Rangers and like, it's so edgy and cool. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't need this. No, I don't, I didn't need that either. And also like, you know, they tried to make Gem and the Hologram serious. Like, oh, do not, God. do not ruin my Gem and the Holograms. Like, that is sacred territory to me. Um, so, you know, there's that, there's Winx. A lot of people are upset about what Netflix did with Winx. I'm worried mm. they're going to do the same thing with Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it would have been ruined. And I, I don't think you would have gotten a cast. Like, I, I just can't picture who else would have done it because they're so great. I you know. yeah, it is, there's no other cast. If they decide yeah. to do live action again, it, it I can't, I will not support unless it's Matthew Lillard. Yeah, yeah, and you know they had um I don't know if you saw this tidbit, but Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Love Hewitt were also considered for Daphne. Interesting. And knowing that. Um, and that they wanted to have a real life couple as Fred and Daphne. Does that mean that Brad Pitt would have been Fred? Interesting. Because then I think it would have been too Hollywood. It wouldn't have it worked. It would have been, yeah, it would have been way too Hollywood. It would have been like Tom Cruise pretending to be Austin Powers and Goldmember. That's, yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, like it would have been too Hollywood. So I, I think that the cast is just perfect. You wouldn't be able to find it again. That is true. Yeah. All so right, well. Courtney, what have Tom... you been up to? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, that's fine. That's fine. What have I been up to? Um. I'm excited to get my cassette player. I'm really nice. excited for it. Um, I, I like the idea of having some separation between my phone and listening to music. I have always loved the cassette player. Um, I'm excited to play my like middle school mixtapes that I still nice. own and my dad's tapes that I own and uh yeah I'm just really excited I bought a couple of albums that are my faves uh like Japanese Breakfast and Mitski um so I have those to listen to as well so I'm excited for that I'm excited to have the separation of like music and my cell phone again cool okay that worked yeah that makes sense yeah I also forgot like this risky feeling of oh, that album artwork looks really interesting and that sounds like a band I would like, but do I really want to spend money on an album that I don't know yet? I forgot what that risk felt yeah, like. Yeah, that's a big risk. Yeah, it's so thrilling to not know. <laughs> so I might start doing that again. I might just start picking up tape cassettes where I, I don't know what the band is or anything and just see if I like it. Okay. Like the olden days. Hell what yeah. about you? I have fixed my Polaroid camera and I'm Yay! excited to use it again. I didn't know that it broke. It the roller popped out apparently like I wrote to them and the guy they were helpful but wrote a kind of condescending email like, "Well, with analog technology, you have to expect oh. the mechanical moving parts." I'm like, "Yo, I'm not here to be lectured about analog fucking technology. Why also, is won't it work?" You have the newer one. Yeah. But it's yeah. still it's still analog. Like it it's an analog t- 
technology. I mean, it does have digital components. I know, but they, it's not like, like I have an old one that I bought off of eBay. If they turned to me and said, we can't make it work, you're out of luck, I would understand that. But you bought one of their Polaroid cameras. Yeah, so they should be able to be like, hey, this, you know, so I was able to figure it on my own. I just popped the roller back in and then okay. did some test prints and it works. So, and also... My Halloween costume, Marty McFly. It yeah. turned out fantastic, and I love it. Was it was great. Thank you. It was a, it was a good look on you. Thank you. Yeah. Yours was incredible as well. Oh, thank you. I loved being Kiki. And All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the end of our eerie, solstice, spooktacular savings, Halloween special extravaganza, fun time, autumn, pumpkin, October. I know. This is it. What do we what do we want to start next? We haven't decided on that no, yet. No, we haven't yet. No. Um last year we did Twilight around this time. <laughs> last year we did uh, our holiday Twilight series. I feel like mm. we have to find something just as ridiculous, but Well, I did have one suggestion. Okay. I would like to revisit okay. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, but we could do that closer to when the new one comes out oh i actually do really want to watch those that's fine with me yeah or like let's say we did them and the we could do it we'll figure it out but definitely the three spider-man movies i got we gotta watch should we do like a very early like i know we've talked about the early marvel movies but maybe it's just time that we have like a very marvel holiday Ooh, we should i think it might be time and also like i want to get yanelle on here and yes. that's one of the things he said he would talk about. All right, let's plan that out. All Keep right. looking forward, guys. All right, get ready. Hell yeah. Um, I think this is when we do like the like us, subscribe. Oh, and- that's me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you can like us on Instagram at yep. the Remember the Zero Zero S podcast. Be mm-hmm. sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube, the Spotify, the Google, the Apple, the Amazon. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, fuck him. Uh, you get the drill. Happy Halloween. Are you challenging me? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to solve a mystery. Yes, Scoob.